Once Upon a Time Season 5 Episode 11 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloomer, the co-host of Once Upon a Recap. Now I'm joined by the guy who is ready to talk about being a man more than Donny Osmond ever would. It's the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? You know what? I'm a little bit Once Upon a Time and a little bit rock and roll, so... That's fantastic. <laughs> I think I think that's the perfect combo, especially since, you know, the, considering the place that we're going, I feel like they might have like a rock or a metal theme to it. Yeah, exactly. So we're here to talk about the mid-season finale of Once Upon a Time. Before we knew it, three months blazed by Kurt, 11 episodes. And here we are. Before we really dive into a lot of the general things that were talked about in this episode, what what are your overall thoughts on how this mid-season ended? You know what? I I liked it. But here's here's the thing. It's I should have had more faith in the writers of Once Upon a Time that they would be able to wrap everything up in a single episode. It was like in a nice little package. Yes. I don't know if it was a nice little package. It was maybe a little (laughs) bit like, you know, uh, you know, a six year old wrapped it. But uh, in in terms of how the it looked at the end, but um, it it was almost like it was playing chicken like the, the with us, like. Like we were getting closer and closer to the finale, and you know, was it was it going to swerve? Was it actually going to conclude? And like you know, one episode away, I'm like, no, no, it's not going to conclude. It's not going to conclude. But you know, sure enough, they we should have had faith. We always talk about how they always manage to wrap things up, and we didn't think they were going to, and they did. And I'm just very surprised, but it happened. So there. <laughs> yes, it's it's interesting uh, that he, we were definitely there, there was some talk. I feel like in the middle of this in, of this half season of like, wait, they're the kind of stretching out this whole dark one stuff, and especially since they added the hook is a dark one twist like two episodes before it ended. I'm 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 very surprised that our our prediction was correct on this one. <laughs> well, no, no, my prediction wasn't correct. We said we said well, I said it. I didn't at the in last week's episode. I was like, I don't think that it's going to wrap up. There's no way that they can handle the can conclude everything from the dark ones coming to town and Hook being evil. There's no way they can wrap it up in a single episode, and they did. So I I was wrong. Well, not only did they wrap it up in a single episode, they wrapped it up in a single scene, nonetheless. <laughs> true, true. Uh, but so but I w- that's not. But that's not a judgment on the quality uh, from my perspective. That was again just me. Um, thinking not not having faith that they would do it and they did and so good for them (laughs) so i would say i'm probably uh, a little lower on this than you were Uh, i said before we recorded that i've I've sort of been praising this season as like the best since season one i feel like they whiffed a little bit on this last episode here kurt and i think there were some really good things i thought that this the one scene that we just talked about uh where hook decides to sacrifice his life and his death scene i thought that was really well done and i think it it thematically connects to a lot of stuff that was going on with emma this past uh these past few episodes and even hook this past episode so that was all good and dandy but there were a few things that were thrown in there that really kind of aggravated me one thing in particular that i'm i'm i know uh you said you have your guesses as to what that might be so i'm excited to see when we get to it, if, if you're correct in that assumption. Will do. I, I, I'll try to remember to, to bring it up. I say, oh, this is the thing, isn't it, Mike? So I'm try- yeah. I, I think I have my guess for what upset Mike Bloom. Yes, America's favorite game yes, show. Yeah. What upset Mike Bloom? Or what's so- what's eating Mike Bloom? The sequel to the Gilbert Grape. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Hopefully uh, the answer will not be a hell demon, uh, as we'll see in the spring season. So before we uh, go into really the main action of Storybrooke, and like we said, it was a very action packed hour where 
a lot got tied up. A lot of knots got tied up, surprisingly so, in an hour or so. But let's uh, let's go talk about the flashback for a little bit here, Kurt. Were you surprised to see this is like the first time this season that we've seen a flashback not take place outside of our like you know canonical Camelot stuff? Uh, this is the first time we've really seen like a character flashback, correct? Um. Or like a main character flashback, I should okay, say. Okay, okay, okay. Because I say, come on, there was a whole Merida uh, episode. I thought we were going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We agreed not to talk about that, Mike. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's. You think that we kind of had like run out of the history of of all these characters, but no, we got to see a bit more of a. Uh, and I was pretty sure when we when we opened up on that that we were looking at Hook. It looked kind of like. Uh, well, maybe I'm actually right. It looked like the cabin of a ship to me, and I don't whether or not mm-hmm. that was correct. And I don't, uh, you know, it, I, I was pretty sure that this was a young hook that we were looking at. Are you sure it wasn't the stormy ship that Anna and Elsa's parents were on? Oh, crap. Yes, right. It opened up with like a, a, a freaking ship on the seas. And that actually was one of my first thoughts was was it was back to that. Uh, those scenes from um, the, the the frozen and and, and uh, their their parents. And um, so but when yeah, I was pretty sure that this was hook. So, yeah, this Hook is dealing with some daddy issues in this whole flashback sequence, which, I mean, we didn't really have too much knowledge of. So and Regina, as we'll talk about soon, alludes to this a lot throughout the the course of the Storybrooke storyline. So I guess it's good to find out some information about that. But uh, we see young Hook here, as you just point out, pointed out uh, when he was still Killian and Liam is just passed out next to him, uh, sort of out of the way of everything, not getting pep talks from dad. And we meet his father and we basically learn that. You know, his father, at least on the surface, is very comforting. And he very pointedly tells him that he'll soon come of an age where he has to figure out what kind of man he will be. And the boy just says, I want to be like you, dad. But uh, probably should have saved that statement for a little later, Killian, as it turns out that the dad literally walks out. And then several hours later, it turns out he basically sold his kids to an old man on a ship. You said there's a brave part deep inside of you. And I was like, no, not brave. Not another brave reference, please. No. Yeah, the ship and crashes like, no, on Dunbrock. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, this was kind of creepy. Uh, <laughs> but, but at least it, it, the, yeah, at least he's like, now you know what kind of man your father really is. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, I, I was surprised that dad did this. I wasn't sure we were being told the whole story, but I think we kind of find out we were. Yeah. So I guess let's, I mean, I don't know if, we, again, this is sort of uh, trying to think about like season two and season three flashbacks at this point, which at this point it's so jumbled up in my head. I can't remember. But in terms of like putting this into the whole timeline, uh, I mean, I don't think Hook directly doesn't Hook like sort of also become a pirate because of that whole adventure where like he's an officer in the Navy and Liam takes them to Neverland and Liam dies and then he decides to like we're going to rebel against the government and yeah. become a pirate. So I wouldn't say this is directly related to him becoming a pirate then. I agree. Yeah. So I'm but I mean, I guess it, it informs some sort of form of his psychology as uh, after these couple of scenes, we flashback to i guess this is around like season two or no season i this reminds me of the flashback from season two i should say we get the return of evil regina here and we're sort of in the midst of that timeline I swear we need like a chronologically once upon a time for all this at this point uh where they luckily remind us of the deal of oh yes yeah. Re- hook made the deal that he'll regina will imbue his hook with magic so she, so he can take cora's heart in wonderland in exchange for her bringing him to a land with no magic so he can finally exact his revenge but she doesn't he doesn't think she doesn't think he's ready and so he must take a test 
Yeah. And and luckily, this actually tied in nicely to some of the things that we've seen in the past couple of weeks in terms of, you know, we are reminded a couple episodes back that, you know, Hook's Hook was enchanted to be able to remove Korra's heart. I mean, there's a whole reference, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. So uh, I'm wondering if that was also kind of laid as a trail of breadcrumbs for us to be able to, you know, remember a little bit more once we got to this point. But it, it, it was nice to to at least get some of the you know, exposition slash reminder. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, I, okay, you want me to kill somebody so that I can prove that I can kill your mom and not be exploited? Okay, whatever, I'll pass your test. Let's do this. Yeah, and I, I feel like if it wasn't put in exposition form here, it would have been talked about in the previously on, even though, again, it was flashing back to events yeah. that happened two seasons ago or three seasons ago at this point. They would have made it a reminder either way to make us remember what happened. True. So let's talk about the test here. And they're taken to a tavern. And in the way, actually, this flashback fell into the entire run of the episode. I thought that he was going to have to fight Robin Hood. That Robin Hood was like the last person that we see. And I'm pretty sure it is the tavern that Robin Hood owns, correct? Are they just using the same set because they're cheap like that? I was thinking more of the latter. At least the, (laughs) the, the... The set looked very much like the one where, you know, you see the guy with the the lion tattoo and it it reminded me very much of the place where regina first sees robin hood um whether or not it is the exact same bar i mean without consulting zagat or you know yelp reviews i don't think we're going to know for sure (laughs) ye Um, old yelp (laughs) yes exactly uh but you know it it could very well be i just like there's just like there's only grannies in storybrook maybe there's only this one bar in this this corner of the enchanted forest i can imagine so i mean back in the medieval days i don't know how much uh, resources were devoted to building materials. So I feel like you had to kind of, if you wanted to start a business, you had to kind of find your own little hut that's unoccupied and say like, okay, this will be, uh, this will, this will be my shop. And uh, yeah, this will be the, the only shop in the district because there are no other buildings here and nobody can build any other buildings. Yeah. So the test is apparently hook has to kill a certain man. And we had a nice little funny bit here where hook thinks that uh, he just starts picking a fight with the biggest guy in there and Regina helpfully points out that it is not him, and it is indeed his father. And there's a little bit of a leap in logic here, considering that his father looks basically the same age, though we'll find out later that that is coma logic, apparently. Yeah, that there, there was something... I, I'm, I'm talking it up to magic. There was some magic of some sort going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't... I, but the first thing I thought was, wow, Dad sure didn't age a whole lot. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting a lot of work done, actually. Yeah, uh, so, uh, and I was actually also, I, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's, it's hooks and cause hook also reminds us that he's, this is post him going to Neverland too. And he had been gone for some time then as well. But then I remember that he ended up going to Neverland when he was an adult. Uh, so it didn't yeah. really, it's not like he went as a kid and grew up there and then came back. Like what, what happened to Neil? Yeah. And, and we, we do find out the, the dad, I think the dad did reference something, um, because, cause you know, going forward a little bit, you, you know, Hook's, of course, the only person at the bar and you could in typical bartender format. This guy just wants to close up. And so he's like, you're going to have to going to have to leave. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we kind of find out that, you know, he references as, kind of obliquely that he he did find a way to cheat death. I just he was didn't really go that much into it, just that he was yeah. put under a he was put under a sleeping curse. And I think we do know from the story of Aurora and Sleeping Beauty that, you know, the people didn't age when they were uh, under that curse. So maybe he was uh, maybe he was kind of part of that 
but but he said he was woke by true love's kiss so maybe prince philip actually ended up kissing everybody in the castle i don't know or it's that, a different or it's a different sleeping curse maybe that's the reason why his soul got taken away it was a form of slut chaining there we go <laughs> those races are doing good on behalf of the entire community so as you just talked about uh huck decides to not uh let he lets the guys down and he just introduces himself to his father right there right then yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't at all subtle no <laughs> not at all and it's clear because hook is extremely bitter towards obviously the last time he saw his father he basically got sold into servitude so uh but hook senior tries to make up for it a little bit when he he tells a story that apparently while rowing away to escape i think he was like escaping a court appointment or something uh he got caught and was put under a sleeping spell as a form of capital punishment but i guess while he was on the sleeping spell, he fell in love with his nurse. Is is that right? His nurse fell in love with him. It was a little bit of a while you were sleeping moment. And uh, <laughs> and so and I, didn't, I didn't catch that it was part of the capital punishment. I thought I'd, uh, just that it was a, a sleeping curse. But apparently the the nurse that was overseeing him fell in love with him and kind of creepily kissed him. Uh, and he woke up and luckily he had feelings for her as well. What if the nurse was Nurse Ratched? Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe that could be it. She's the only nurse we know of, though. Apparently, as we found out this episode, there are coroners that live here too uh, that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because I was wondering this entire time, like this whole deep story about the nurse. Uh, I thought that this was going to be, you know, another character that was going to be introduced, but then she died of the plague. <laughs> yeah, I thought either the nurse was going to be someone, or I thought that, so he explains right here that he actually had a son with the nurse, so Le- so Liam and Hook have a stepbrother, or half-brother, I should say. I thought the half-brother was going to be somebody that we knew, but neither ended up being the case. Yeah, although the, you know, I'm still, well, we'll get to it, but, you know, I don't know if we've necessarily seen the last of the uh, the half-brother. Of Liam 2? Liam 2.0. <laughs> yes, Liam 2.0. Uh, just as asleep as Liam 1.0 was. So yeah. they, they both have those similar skills there. Maybe that's why he was named after Liam and not Killian. But uh, Hook decides to sort of take pity on his father. Um, and he says outright, you know, I'm going to fake your death uh, because I'm, I'm, you know, even though we both have lost my love, but I'm that makes me even more adamant to pursue down my path and get me closer to my revenge, no matter what may happen. So I'm going to get a, like a, I don't know if it's a forged letter or a real letter to basically get him smuggled away. Uh, and this is when Hook Senior decides to drop the bomb that uh, he has a half brother right there, right then. Yeah. And this is like, Oh, interesting. I wonder if this is going to be another character. And uh, don't think that I, it is, I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> still not sure. Yeah, it is for like two minutes. Uh, yeah. So that later that night, or I guess the next, I don't know what the time passed here, because for all we know, it might have been last call, like two in the morning yeah. when uh, they talked initially. But Hook walks into the, his father's cabin and he sees basically him telling his son the exact same spiel about, you know, you have to look inward to not be afraid. And Hook is really pissed off that he named his son Liam. Though I, I can only <laughs> imagine, I actually wonder if it would have been worse and would have made his kill more justified had he named him Killian. Yeah. Um, at first, I would thought he was upset that he was like, oh, you just choose to honor that son, but not, you know, but not me. I thought he was like jealous at first that that, the, that dad had kind of um, chosen to honor his his brother and not him. Uh, but, you know, it just kind of turns out that he he almost accuses his dad of, you know, trying to replace the memory of Liam and that, you know, like almost like, you know, 
almost it's almost like Dick not taking any responsibility for what he did and thinking he can make everything okay just by naming another kid Liam and that just almost puts everything right. But he he regardless, he ends up not being happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, to the point of where he acts a bit rashly, almost like an Emma fashion, where he burns the deed that would send his father away and ends up actually killing him. And uh, so he decides to not fake his way through the test and he ends up passing as a result now. Now, Kirk, can we try to put ourselves in the mind of Hook Sr. here? Uh, was Hook justified in committing patricide? No, death is never the answer. <laughs> Said spoken like a true hero. Yeah, yeah. somewhere inside. Uh, Belle would call you a hero. She likes to call everyone heroes at some point in time. I I agree, because I think that, I mean, for all that Hook knows, his father could have named him Liam as a way to, like, honor his brother or for for a way to, or, you know, also, I wouldn't I wouldn't gripe him with doing that because I I think Hook Senior thought there was a zero to none chance that he was going to ever see his two kids again yeah. in his life, and so I don't think he was naming his kid Liam, thinking like, "Well, I sure hope my <laughs> sons don't come back when they're adults and you know find me, and then we'll get into a little bit of a scuffle about it." So I think it was just unfortunate circumstances and the fact that Hook is so motivated by revenge at this point and just pure fury in his eyes that it leads him to do something that de- I guess he regrets. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why he's brood. That's why he broods so much when we first meet him. But I'm, I'm almost, I'm also intrigued as to how this sort of feeds his character in general. Yeah. It's, it's uh, and also the fact that he, I think the bigger picture, he now made it so that Liam 2.0 is going to like, can you imagine how scared that kid is? Like whether he walks outside, <laughs> oh, his mom's, yeah. his mom's already dead. His, and you don't know if what if Killian disposed of the body or not, but like, you know, it would almost be better if he didn't because like waking up and you just don't know what happened to your parents or it's, you know, now he's got like a, a scared kid in the world. You've taken both, you've taken one, his only remaining parent away. Um, I think that's the, almost the bigger issue almost for me more than, more than the patricide. But, uh, you know, but Hook was dark before this. I mean, not dark, dark with a capital D and special powers and a dagger dark. <laughs> but, you know, this is, you know, he's already, you know, disposed of Rumpelstiltskin's, you know, uh, like the whole Rumpelstiltskin thing and the wife thing happened already. So he's, he's already down the path. This is, I, I think it's, it's, I don't know if this is going to make it much darker. It's just stop along the path. Yeah, exactly. I, I would feel horrible for Liam 2.02 because imagine the last thing your father told you was don't be scared. I'll protect you. Wake up, find your father murdered outside. <laughs> but maybe he like, you know, Threw himself in front of the attacker. Maybe he's like, yeah, I, I saved you, so I actually did protect you. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, all I know is Liam 2.0 is probably a, a little screwed up for life, thanks to Hook here. Yeah, potential villain down the road. So let's jump here to the modern storybook uh, storyline, and we'll sort of go chronologically through the episode here, starting where uh, Gold decides to confront Hook right after Hook had deposited his blood into the lake to summon all of these dark ones, which is really going to be the focus of the main action in the first half of this episode specifically. And they sort of have a a showdown after their last meeting in the previous episode, their very short lived duel. And they sort of have a a foreshadowing conversation here where, you know, gold gold tries to attack hook with Excalibur, but it's all for naught. And hook kind of gloats here about how gold wants power more than anything and how, you know, he lost bell because he's the man he was actually personifying the man he actually is. So, Little did we know that he was basically putting this idea in Gold's head from its inception. Yeah, and, and even if you can even like interpret it in, in terms of um, 
you know, Gold's kind of taunting Hook saying, you know, you don't really have, you can't really say that you have power unless you know how to wield that power. And all you've done are, are parlor tricks. Um, kind of hint, hinting that Gold has something maybe even bigger up his sleeve that we haven't seen yet. And at the same time, you know, uh, Hook can't help but say, well, you know, you like this trick, revenge. Like he, you, there is a bigger, you know, something bigger that that Hook is is we as we know that Hook has been doing this entire time, and he can't help but kind of reveal a little bit of that to Gold. So, meanwhile, we get a little bit of uh, an Aaron Sorkin reference here. I'm assuming in the walk and talk through Storybrooke uh, center of town, as the heroes are now on a mission and they are joined by the dwarves. And this actually is a good moment, uh, just to like. Let's let's sort of marinate on this fact here, Kurt. Let, let's remember back to an interview at the beginning of the season where Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz said, well, we're going to include a lot more of these side characters in this season. And we saw the first episode and we're like, great, the dwarves are there. Granny's there. They're all going to Camelot. Ten episodes later, we have barely seen them. And I would say if we're looking at this half season as a whole, that would probably be in one of the, in the minus column for me in terms of not living up to your promises there. Uh, we I think we got it a little bit in like a, a, a few episodes at the beginning. I'm not I'm not as down on it as, as you are. I think we got a lot more Granny than we typically would. We've got random side characters like Mulan and Ruby, um, but so I think we we had a a broader cast I think than we typically do in a season. Uh, we just didn't go in depth with many of them. So I'd say they they kind of went broad instead of deep, but that we still I think they delivered on uh, at least you know peppering a little bit more peripheral characters here and there throughout yeah i like that I'm, I'm fine with the peppering i just feel like that interview alluded to the fact that they would be involved with like more of the main story uh, uh so i what i was looking forward to and maybe i sort of overestimated this was i was you know i was waiting to see the dwarves sneak in with those heroes into camelot after zelina lets them into the tunnel you know i was i was expecting them to be more ingratiated into the main storyline though they seem to be much more on the peripherals of it are you saying that granny's lasagna was not pivotal to the events of the first part of the season well considering that henry mentioned it and then basically lost out on a girl because of it i i'd, I'd say it actually did more harm than good <laughs> well at least they didn't watch harold and Maud. That's very true. Maybe that'll be part two. Henry meets uh, a hell demon and falls in love with her. And then he decides to write Cheryl and them all together in the hell version of Granny's. Uh, so Emma is sort of the lead of this, you know, goose triangle of people. And she decides that I'm fine. I'm going to take, you know, it's my fault. I'm going to take care of it myself. And she says the very poignant line that the man she loved died in Camelot. And so now she's going to stop him no matter what it takes. And, you know, I predicted this last week. I was, Super excited for this Hook and Emma showdown. They're going to use dark magic against each other. And maybe I was too gullible, Kurt, because I don't want to jump too far forward in the episode, but we did not really get that at all. No, you never really... I mean, you really don't see the Dark Ones wielding, you know, Voldemort levels of magic against, you know, Harry Potters of this world in terms, you know, going, you know, toe-to-toe. Everything that the Dark Ones do mostly at least the active dark ones i'm not talking about like the, the ones that visit from the past tends to be kind of subtle and manipulations it's the zelinas and the reginas and just the evil witches uh, of of the world that tend to have the more showy showdowns um so it's the funny thing is though like looking back at the previews uh at the end of last week's episode Pretty much almost everything happened within the that we saw in those previews happened like within the first 10 minutes of this episode. Yeah, they probably didn't they didn't want to spoil their uh, the main attraction here. I, I like that idea that this is sort of like 
the dark one alumni are coming back for homecoming almost. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, they, uh, you just see they're always at the school. They just, dude, you graduated. Just yeah, leave. Yeah, Mr. Gold is one of those alumni that just can't leave. He yeah. always has to hang around. Uh, I like that idea. Uh, the dark one fraternity. Uh, Delta Omega or Delta uh, Omicron would be probably what it, what it is. So uh, speaking of Zelina, you were just talking about her. Let's bring her into the episode. And I was definitely wrong in this prediction where I thought that Zelina last week was tied up in a neat little package, but it turns out she has some unfinished business here. Everyone decides to split up and Robin and Regina are confronted by her who basically gloats in front of them saying, well, I know you had this entire plan, but my plan is to get sole custody because turn around, you're going to die now. Yeah, I couldn't tell if she was just going there to gloat or if she was actively distracting them so the dark ones could come up behind them. But you kind of have a series of little vignettes here where... You know, first, you it seems like Regina and Robin Hood are getting jumped by Dark Ones, and then David and Mary Margaret are getting jumped by Dark Ones, and finally get the the dwarves get really craftily surrounded by Dark Ones. Um, yeah, and you're like, and you don't really know what's happening to any of them until it kind of you know it all wraps up with Henry. Yeah, it's like the opening scene of West Side Story. Uh, it's been a while. When you're a dark one, a dark one, though. (laughs) I was was waiting for them. If they could have sang, I think they would have sang that. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely thought that... And we even talked about this last week that we were unsure as to whether Zelina was in cahoots with Hook or whether they just sort of gave nods to each other to say, I acknowledge your evil presence and I will let you go forward with your work. But it seems to be much more the latter here as Zelina has her own agenda. But as you said, we get these vignettes of the heroes all being surrounded uh, and overwhelmed by the dark ones and cl- and Emma is sort of brought in on this when she's looking in the pawn shop and she hears Henry kind of half-heartedly call out to her uh this is definitely not Jared Gilmore's best scene I would say between him saying mom help and then <laughs> considering when the when the dark one walks through him he does this weird like seizing gesture that was probably more comical than dramatic yeah like you're wondering like what happened to him here and I, I didn't really kind of put two and two together at this point yet that this same sort of thing probably happens to everybody else that you had the dark ones kind of pass through our kind of team charming across the board. Um, but it was a little bit of a mini seizure. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, are we, are we going back to our use of ghost logic here? Cause in, in ghost, wasn't it, if they pass through you, you feel like really cold. I think that's ghost in general, not just the movie. Yeah. From my understanding uh, of the supernatural. Okay. Uh, so yeah, general <laughs> ghost logic, Yeah. but it, apparently not in this case. And, uh, the heroes all notice that they have strange marks on their arms and gold sort of enters at the right moment to say that all of them, except for Emma, since obviously she's a dark one, have been given the mark of Karen. Uh, <laughs> and Karen is the ferryman to the underworld spells either C-H or K-H. I spelled it K-H so I can remember that it's pronounced Karen. Yeah, I've, I remember the, the, the last few times that I've, I've brought up uh, when, when Karen has appeared in the lake and, and, and has brought people to the shore uh, or where he appeared during the fury scene, I think even a, a, as well. Um, I think I've, I've gone online to try to find like the correct, correct pronunciation of it. And like 90% of the internet agrees it's, it's Karen. So you're good there. Yeah. It's, is this where the name came from? <laughs> from the internet? <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say like, as an, I don't want to insult anybody named Karen, but I wonder oh. if the name came from this, the name for the ferryman to the underworld. Oh, I'm really hoping I'm hoping that those, uh, that the the female name Karen uh, probably originated in a slightly different uh, chain of events. Um, Actually, an, an ironic twist I heard in a crossover with uh, '90s programming from NBC. The mark of Karen turns everyone into Megan Mullally. Okay, let's continue. 
<laughs> We're just going to forget that joke happened. Yeah, uh, so Gold explains that the Dark Ones are sort of here on a... The Dark One alumni are sort of here on like a tourist visa. Yeah. And basically to stay, they have to trade a human soul for theirs because when the full moon rises, Karen's going to come back and basically... Uh, is looking for any any group of people to come on to come with him. Who basically, yeah, whoever basically uh, has the mark has to go with Karen. And it sounds like you can get rid of the mark if you take someone's soul. And you know, our typical you know heroes can't just go soul swapping. Uh, but it seems like the Dark Ones just were able to do it by walking through. So they kind of got rid of their burden simply by walking through these folks. And of course, I immediately hear the word soul. And I'm like, whenever you finally get the answer to what happened to Prince Philip's soul. <laughs> he's down um, there. <laughs> he's down there. That's what I'm that, You know what? I am hoping. <laughs> Except that he's not dead. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that because I, yeah. I, I know we keep saying hell in the underworld, but I think people, the creators have actually said in an interview that it's actually not it's more purgatory than it is hell. Yeah. That so, won't stop me from calling it hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. So Gold decides to rub this in a little bit more by talking about like, well, I was there. Oh, man. Oh, that sucks. Oh, that's a bad place, uh, which doesn't make the situation any better. But Emma is very markedly positive saying, okay, I'm going to help you guys. But Gold says, yeah, just find time to say goodbye to your loved ones because we're all screwed. Yeah. And just uh, one point of order, though. It's like both, I think, when we saw the... Um, the ship coming in, you've got a limited number of dark ones in town. And then, you know, there was even a scene of them marching through the city. And I was able to count, uh, if, if you count counting Nimue, uh, it appears you have 20 dark ones in town. And that's if you don't count Hook or if you don't count Emma. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you, I think you had approximately 11 or 12 people taken uh, with Team Charming. Yeah, you had... You had Regina and Hood and Mary Margaret and David and Henry and eventually find out gold. And then the six, six of the seven dwarves. So that's 12. So technically there's eight dark ones that still need to claim somebody. Well, there's plenty of people in that town, yeah. though. I'm sure they could have. For all we know, when if their souls were actually taken, like Nurse Ratchet might have been there. Dr. Whale, certainly, if, you, if he's not dead yet, would have been there. But Merida. But, but I mean... But in the big picture of things, a majority of the town is not going anywhere. It's, yeah. it's kind of like a reverse leftovers um, where, uh, well, no, it's like they're leftovers, I guess. We're like 2% of the people to suddenly leave. <laughs> you know what? They, if, if they, the heroes were uh, not as morally uh, high and mighty as they usually are, they could have said, hey, uh, here's Arthur and Guinevere and all these people from Camelot. Have at them. And then they'll go to hell. And you guys can stay here. Yes, but I'm afraid it seems like Guinevere and Arthur kind of went, went the way of Lillian Maleficent. I'm not quite sure what's going on with them at this point. Yeah, we'll talk about that because uh, that's another thing that I, I'm not too happy about. But meanwhile, Regina finds Hook down on the dock and they basically have an argument about whether Hook has gone too far in his quest for revenge. And this is where she alludes to for the first time how he was tested and you know how he was different from when she first recruited him alluding to the fact that back then he decided to murder his father but hook is angry and force chokes her the first of several force chokes this episode saying she doesn't know the man he truly is yeah um and here's i'll I'll just i'll just say this now i'm trying to think the best i don't know if i needed the flashbacks at all during this entire episode that i I was actually going to ask that when we were uh doing the flashback when my mind sort of uh, left that question but i completely agree i feel like i feel like this again for a very action-packed episode i feel like this was 
kind of filler. I feel like this is something that could have been saved for later on. Yeah, it really only serves to bring up the concept of what kind of man are you truly inside? And and which gets repeated a few times in our modern day storybook line. I think they could have teed it up in the modern day storybook without needing to rely on uh, the hook flashbacks. I'm sure there's viewers out there who enjoyed the hook flashbacks. I just didn't think we necessarily needed it. And I think um, if we had cut out the uh, Merida flashback episode <laughs> and the flash, I thought we were going to talk about that <laughs> and the flashbacks from this episode, um, I think we might have gotten a conclusion to the mid season that didn't feel as rushed as it did. Yeah. I, I would say that even if we just had that first flashback scene where Hook Senior is tucking little Hook in and says, you know, you have to look inward to not be afraid. Be the man that you have to figure yeah. out which man you want to be. And that's it. Because we can make that assumption after he finds out his dad sold him into servitude that, oh, this is the man that I'm going to grow up to be. We we filled in those blanks. Don't worry, producers. <laughs> you don't need to then show us another like 10 minutes of this guy circling around his dad before ultimately killing him because he happened to name his son after his brother. Like Unless Liam 2.0 does truly become a fixture in the back half of this season but even then you you what they would probably do is introduce this character you then find out that it's liam 2.0 and then a couple episodes later you have this flashback and showing like what happened to liam 2.0 and and his dad and how hook was involved Um, i I don't know if you needed it here and that seems a little bit reminiscent of like greg of greg and tomorrow from season two where it becomes like this big reveal like oh this was actually liam the whole time yeah so we go into the crypt here, which is some. I feel like we've only been to the crypt like a rare few times. I guess after Regina and Robin did the deed there, it's sort of forbidden territory. Well, um, you have the whole crypt, crimson crown thing there. It seems like yeah, that, that's that's the one scene I was thinking of. It, it, it seems to kind of be like if they're researching history, they go to the library. If they're researching magic, they go to the crypt. Yeah, um, yeah, we've definitely been there at least a, a couple times. But the uh, they're. Yeah, just trying to find a way that they can win, and apparently they just know the library is not the answer. <laughs> yep, so they're trying to find any sort of cure possible, but uh, everyone seems to have given up except for Emma, and Emma even points out to her mom, like, you're Snow White, you never give up. Even though a couple episodes ago, we saw Snow White pretty much give up on the idea of saving her daughter from from being a dark one. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's, and she's just hungry, I think. Like yeah, she, she just she doesn't really give. She didn't really give up. She just really wanted to go to Granny's and grab some dinner. Well, yeah, because who knows how long they've been walking around for without eating anything? We never see these people really. They sit in Granny's, but they. I feel like there's the food in front of them, but they never eat it. Hollywood like, for you. Apart from the occasional breakfast at Shea Charming, it seems like a majority of meals are eaten at Granny's. Yeah, which <laughs> I mean, great for Granny's, but not great for that one Italian bistro we saw in that one episode. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so the plan is apparently to Emma to stay behind with baby Neil in the crypt while they all sort of have a final powwow at Granny's to time of your life playing on the jukebox. And then they decide to ultimately embrace their fate. And there's a very, uh, very emotional goodbye between mother and daughter, though not between uh, father and daughter. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand that relationship, but I'm hopefully that will get built out at some point in time. Mm, keep hoping. <laughs> if it hasn't happened by now i'm not That's sure true. it's going to happen so regina comes in and emma is, says you know we made this promise back in camelot which i think was in like episode two of this season of you know we're gonna get rid of the darkness no matter what the cost is keep this promise for me i'm gonna sacrifice myself and put all the dark ones alumni's powers inside of me but the moment she says i need you to keep that promise and not tell anyone i was like haven't we learned 
how futile it is and almost like counterproductive it is to keep secrets in this world that yeah that it, it's like no just oh be no just just tell people what you're doing and have a discussion about it you're all adults let's let's do some adulting here yeah and nobody keeps secrets as well especially regina if, if there's something that it pertains to like the safety of anyone regina will tell everyone outright she she's smarter than that he's like don't tell anybody because i want to tell them in the form of a letter that i leave behind that they'll see before they even see you and you won't even get a chance to tell them anything Regina. yeah that's a little weird <laughs> as well uh like no don't tell them i want to tell them myself but i won't actually tell them because it'll break their heart yeah so we have a bell and gold scene here where gold decides to send her off across the town line and basically says, tries to put it off under the guise of go explore and see the world. Belle keeps feeling like something is up, but it, it seems like she's sort of acting. I don't know. I, I don't know why I would call this completely out of character, but it does seem a little weird to me that Belle actually did end up almost leaving town. Yeah. It, well, cause at this point I wasn't, we didn't realize uh, until like she ends up leaving that gold was had the mark of Karen on his on his arm, and like I saw that it was a bug. I didn't realize that the that the mark was a bug until we see it again later on everybody. Yeah. Um, so I had thought that maybe he was just trying to get her out of town because there was going to be some sort of epic battle. But uh, I, I think he just wanted to, in general, you know, make sure that she was kind of safe when the S hit the F. Yeah, but I, I mean, they are. I mean, she's, she's, I know her and Rumpel just broke up, but she's a, a relatively smart and acute individual, right? So I feel like if she knew something was up, she wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I guess I will go on a vacation. See you later, suspicious man. Oh yeah, it, it's, yeah, I mean, she, she probably did suspect something, but you know, the promise of driving out of town and going to Paris was just too much for her. Yeah, I guess the, the the allure of Paris, as we learn from Heroes Reborn, the allure of Paris is just too much to resist. Yeah, and also, Bell calls Mr. Gold a hero. I, and again, going with this past episode, I don't really understand her logic here. And like, how is he a hero now for telling her to leave? I, I, like, if she doesn't know what's going on, that doesn't really make him heroic. And maybe just the fact that she had expected him to be, like, maybe part of her thought, well, I I, I spurned him. And he's going to be really bitter and angry about that. And, but he's actually kind of taking the, uh, you know, the high ground here. And maybe that, I don't know if that's what she's referring to, but at the same time, you know, she, she, she does come out and just says, is something wrong? And he's like, no. And I'm like, really, again, why lie at this point? Uh, especially when she's shown repeatedly that she often will have the best ideas in town. Yeah. If anybody's going to be able to see her way, like a possible way out of this, she might actually have an idea. Yeah, I'm surprised that Emma didn't go to her outright. I can understand that like Hook was definitely of this mood of like, well, we're all screwed, so I don't need to talk to you. But had Emma actually commiserated with her, I'm sure Belle could have figured out some sort of way to try to help them. I'm sure there's some sort of magical loophole somewhere about if you blow up the moon and then Karen won't come and take them away. But keep in mind also at this point, what we don't know as viewers is that Gold has a bigger plan in mind and he yes. and that's really what he wanted Belle out of town for. Absolutely. So as Belle leaves, Emma comes in and basically asks for Excalibur back to commit her whole Harry Carey plan. And we sort of get a little bit of foreshadowing here as Gold hands it over, no problem, and Emma says out loud, oh, no deals or anything like that? This seems way too easy. Yeah, and and we just say, you know, this might not work. It, it, the sword has its own mind. You know, it's a, it's a wacky sword. Uh, wacky sword! It, it, it chooses who it finds worthy. It chooses its own miracles. 
Um, so don't be surprised if it doesn't work exactly the way that you uh, think it does. And yeah. So nice, nice way to cover your bases there. <laughs> Absolutely. So she turns to Regina for help, but Regina is going to deal with her own little subplot for the next five minutes as her and Robin go find Zelina in the mayor's office, uh, <laughs> doing apparently looking to decorate it in shades of green. Since I guess she assumes that she'll become the mayor once everyone uh, goes to the underworld. But Regina pulls out the apprentice's wand, and we get a little reminder here of. Regina, I think it was in the first episode, says she couldn't wield the wand because she didn't. She wasn't powerful enough. But because she believes in herself, let's remember that after episode two this season, Regina does believe in herself. Now she can use it, no problem. And this was where I was like, yep, that happened kind of fast. They're definitely wrapping stuff up quickly. <laughs> that, so is, now, that just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just run through this action really quickly here. Um, so she ends up warping them to the clock tower where a green twister takes Alina back to Oz and she orders like a Dr. Claw or Cobra Commando S line. I mean, this is not the last you'll hear from me, Regina. Uh, so overall, do, did you find this scene auxiliary? Did it, did it need to be in this episode? Or do you think if we just left that storyline with Zelina cooing over her daughter, you would have been satisfied? Um, I'm sure at some point we would have been asking ourselves, especially the way that this episode ends, we'd be saying, wait a minute, so Zelina's alone with the baby and uh, is in town unsupervised. So I think I think they did have to do something with Zelina. Um, this just, again, seemed really, really rushed. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And oh, by the way, Kelly Hunter and Pistachio are my three favorite survivors also. <laughs> pistachio was great on that one season yes uh yeah i i mean i think that again i in terms of like character development i think it was a really nice character moment for zelina when she sort of held her child in her arms last episode and it seemed like at least on the surface that she was willing to sort of acquiesce to this plan of joint custody and then to have her kind of go back to becoming this over-the-top wicked person the next episode and come up with this plan i feel like was a little bit of two steps back um, I guess, like you said, if this was a convenient way to get rid of her um, and keep her out of the picture, though, I don't know if I like that I'll, I'll be back line because now I feel like the the producers just love Zelina so much that now, now they're just going to bring her back willy-nilly. Yeah, well, well yeah. Um, and I'm still hoping for... I mean, I would love there to be a, a more in-depth exploration of Oz in one of these... Uh, you know, seasonal arcs. I don't know if we'll ever get that. There's, you know, a rich history in the, I mean, there's a huge series of novels mm -hmm. uh, that were done by not just Al Frank Baum, but all a bunch of people who, you know, picked up his, his pen, you know, after he wrote like an original, like, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 novels. So there's a whole bunch of things they could tap into there that I think would be really interesting. But um, I, I just, I'm, I'm feeling she, we may not see a lot of her in the back half of the season. No, I don't think we're going to see, anything from her in the back season, but I could totally see like season six, they get back to Storybrooke. They do something to face some sort of enemy and they accidentally open up a portal back to Oz and Zelina comes out or yeah. something like that. I'll even say we may not see it in the front half of next season. I think it might be the back half of next season. So I you're predicting I, like a year and a half until we see Zelina again? 2017 before we see Zelina again. 2017, you heard it first, folks. Kirk Clark is declaring that the year of Zelina, 2017. <laughs> Not Selena, Zelina. <laughs> yes, Kelly Hunter Pistachio Green will deck the halls. Yeah. Uh, so as Goldwatch's Bell drive away, Emma decides, as we talked about before, to 
say her own final words to her family by whistling <laughs> out and putting a letter down on the jukebox. <laughs> yeah, by say her final words, we mean yeah, leave them. Uh, really hope that one of them has to go to the bathroom and will walk past the jukebox on the way there. Yeah, well, I mean, her mother will pick up on it. Let's remember, this is the same mother who, like, randomly got up in the middle of that celebration party to apparently see what was going on with Ruby. So apparently she's very perceptive when it comes. Maybe it's because she, she had her baby and she has to go to the bathroom a lot as a result. Yeah, a lot goes on in that back hallway. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Uh, save that for <laughs> yeah, basic cable once upon a time. But go. let's talk about this this little Hook-Emma confrontation that happens in the house. And Hook sort of comes at her with this interesting angle of, like, well, you owe me. Uh and you did, like distracted me from my revenge. And Emma points out correctly that if he does get his revenge, he'll become the thing that he's fought for for so many years to destroy, which I think is a very interesting point that he's vowed for so many years to defeat the crocodile, to defeat the dark one, when really he is one. And is, if he kill, if he succeeds in his plan of killing Mr. Gold, he basically is no worse than the person that he was destroying. Yeah. I still like her, his logic of, uh, I can't let you use that to kill yourself. So hand it over or I'll hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I'd say if there was one thing where I was like, wait, what seriously, come on in the whole episode, it was when like, he's like poofing back and forth. And all of a sudden he like does a fake out and poofs back as Henry. And that, that, and that momentarily get the, and she, Oh, she kind of hands the sword over then. But like it was, he was literally like hoofing back and forth between the two, yeah. same two locations, a little rabbit season, duck season going on. <laughs> well, the, well, Henry season, them- hook season, Henry season, <laughs> hook season, hook season. Uh, and then the gun goes off and his hook gets blasted the other way around and he stomps off as music plays. I, uh, yeah, it, it's maybe the VFX team are like, Oh, we have a surplus of money. We didn't spend on this season. I guess we better, funnel it into something or else the, they won't give us any more money next time. It was just the fact that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the poofing back and forth. It was just that suddenly where we all expect hook, where we all expect hook to appear in a puff of smoke, Henry suddenly appears and that doesn't raise any eyebrows or questions. And, and I you know she's smarter than that, but anyway, uh, he gets the sword and vanishes. <laughs> Look, I'm just happy that somebody a dark one finally used that masquerading trick because we have gone an entire half season of two dark ones where nobody has used that trick and finally somebody did even though like also emma well can we also just talk about the general fact that after emma after it turned out that hook was the dark one emma became a total wuss you know and it actually brings up like an interesting uh question here I'll, i'll see if i can find it from Becca, I mean, we have a, we actually have a, had a bunch of questions posted to us on Twitter, so we'll we'll try to get through as many of them as we can, both uh, from you know talking about the episode itself, talking about the season in general, talking about what's coming up. Here we go. Uh, she says when, uh, and this is sort of talking about general things, but when Hook got rid of the darkness and was stabbed by Excalibur, he died by stabbing uh, by the stabbing, but the original cut from Excalibur on his neck also came back. Vemma's plan all along was to rid them of the darkness and kill Zelina with the sword when Hook's original wound have still appeared. Uh, which I, I would also tie that into the fact that, like, Emma has this dark magic, right? She was planning to kill Zelina with her dark magic and get rid of the dark magic. Why is she not using this dark magic whatsoever in these confrontations with Hook? She's... She's kind of turned back into sulky Emma from the last season when, you know, um, from, from, from the back half of the last season, uh, a lot of, a lot of like frowny, um, it, it's like somebody on survivor whose entire plan kind of gets, you know, blown apart. And then they just 
and eh, they just don't kind of want to be there anymore. You kind of get that that feeling from her that so she, she Emma became the Jen Brown of Once Upon a Time a little bit, yeah. And and she didn't have a plan B, and now she's like, well, I'll just vote myself out of tribal council, and everyone will be saved, and you guys can handle it from there. It was just uh, kind of the result that she had. Again, sorry for the uh, the survivor tie-ins for those of you who who aren't are, don't watch. Um, but she just, just seems kind of like again, like sulky, like she was at the end of last season. Um, yeah, I saw and I saw the questions about you know, you know, if the darkness is removed from Hook, wouldn't he then just die again from his sword wound? And I'm like, uh, magic. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, that, that, maybe Excalibur's wound magic only works in uh, in Camelot. Maybe the thing is like, oh, if he if we remove the darkness here, he won't die from that wound. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, I mean, we, we saw it even happen when we'll see it coming up in the big sacrifice scene. But yeah, had I actually gone along with her plan successfully and killed Zelina, Hook also would have died right there, right then. So I feel like he was kind of screwed either way and that the sword had to exist for him to still be alive. But I don't know. I Yeah, it, it's kind of it's just weird to, again, track the tra- trajectory of the season that in the beginning, Emma was this big bad and was, everyone was really like looking forward to seeing what would happen. And now, three, you know, in the last episode of the half season, she still has all this awesome dark power but isn't doing anything with it, which I think is kind of sad. I was really looking forward to like a dark magic showdown between the two and to see them, their hearts break as they like have to confront each other about it. The dark ones never really have dark magic showdowns. That's not their style. And yeah, and and I've been like, I think I've been saying throughout the season, you know, Emma's, you know, yet while she's the big bad, she hasn't really done anything bad. Everybody's more afraid of the potential of dark Emma. The most bad thing she did was turn Sneezy into stone. And who knows? Maybe she did that knowing full well that Regina could easily turn him back again. Uh, but it's 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 she she hasn't really done anything dark. If any if anything, she seemed to actually be you know fighting it really well. It's just that she wasn't her her poor choice to not reveal her plan to anybody made it seem a lot more sinister than she actually was. And you know, taking that into account, she seems to actually have fought the darkness pretty well. And maybe yeah. just the fact that she hasn't. It almost seems like she hasn't fully given into the darkness. She isn't truly uh, irredeemable and a dark swan. And if that's the case, there can't really be a dark one showdown. She hasn't really truly embraced it, I feel, this season. That's true. That would have been cool, too, if she finally decides to embrace the dark one. And then we have multiple problems on her hands. But I can definitely see your point there that even look, yeah, looking back, she really hasn't done anything in Storybook that war- and aside from being like spooky, scary, yeah. that warrants being called this this wielder of dark evil. So it's just in, in title only. <laughs> yes, entitled a title a very hollow title. So after Hook very easily tricks Emma by masquerading as Henry for one second, mm. uh, Snow finds Emma's letter and realizes what she's up to, but it's too late. Nimue takes that moment to appear. I guess the moon was in the sky like a big pizza pie, and she twists her hand, and everyone sort of gets warped to the lake. And it seems like it is the time of reckoning, even though Robin helpfully points out that don't worry, the fairies will take care of all the babies. Yeah, it was nice. That, it was nice that that was uh, explained because I was kind of curious that, you know, we, that, you know, that's Roland's. I don't really care that much about yeah, Roland, Roland. Neil, that's, that's and babyhood. Yeah, which still needs a name. <laughs> With with oh, and Kelly Hunter Pistachio, yeah, Kelly K H S K H P K H P K H P H, like uh, Neil Patrick Harris a yeah. little bit. So as you know, it seems like our heroes are doomed. Emma comes in and apologizes that she's not able to help them, uh, but Regina tries to get get to Hook one last time, saying, "You don't want to break up another family." 
you know, you know what you did to your own family in the past. And she asked him that resonating question, what kind of man do you want to be? And I guess that was sort of the trigger question for Hook as he decides to defy Nimue and uh, shoulder the load and take all the dark magic in himself. Yeah. I mean, and, and even though we talked about the flashbacks at a separate point, you know, when, when Regina says, you know, what kind of man do you want to be? Then we kind of get that final flashback scene where we do see Hook end up killing his father and, and orphaning Liam 2.0. Um, and then it, and, and then we kind of come back to the modern day and you know it's uh and and you know with that the freshness of that flashback on our minds that's when you see hook kind of have you know know what that's enough no nimway you must stop (laughs) yeah yeah and i i will say also for nimway being hyped up as like the original dark one i feel like a little bit of a paltry showing from Nimue. I've, I've, I felt like she, being, as being revealed as the original Dark One, I've, I felt like if we had more episodes, it would have been cooler to see her interact more with people like Hook and Emma. But again, limited number of episodes. She got revealed as the Dark One like four episodes before the end. I guess there's, the, I, can, I can only cherish the moments I had with her. Yeah, it's... Um, the thing that does confuse me, though, is what Merlin was thinking, refer, you know, providing Nimue as a reference for them to seek out in Storybrooke. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that either. The magical voicemail, I don't know, because that didn't come to fruition, right? They didn't even try to pursue Nimue because they're like, oh, well, no, the hook's a dark one. We have to worry about that. Yeah, they didn't They didn't pursue her. And it seems like if they had, it really kind of would have been pointless because she was only there in an effort to, you know, take out the, you know, Team Charming. Yeah, and also the only way you could get you could see Nimue is through a dark one. So they'd have to find either Hook or Emma and say, like, let me talk to Nimue. But you know, earmuffs, don't listen to what we're talking about. Yeah. So Hook makes this big sacrifice. And let's talk about this scene a little bit, Kurt. So just to give a quick recap, Hook gets all the Dark One's energy into Excalibur and basically it glows red hot with all the dark magic, and he urges Emma to take the sword and stab him through with it. Basically, I guess, you know, and, and killing the Dark One with Excalibur, it would get rid of all the dark magic. But Emma is very hesitant. This, we sort of have flashbacks here to how she wouldn't let him die the first time in Camelot. But Hook says, you know, you have to stay with your family and I, I, have, I know I have to pay for my crimes and let me die a hero, which will very much come to fruition later on. So she ends up going through with it. And I mean, it was I would call it definitely an emotional scene. And I love this because I thought, it tied in so well with Emma made a big mistake the first time and not being able to let go of Hook. And the fact that she was able to finally do so shows a lot of growth in terms of character. Yeah. The only thing for me was that I felt I knew strongly where the second half of the season was going to be going. So Mm -hmm. I didn't feel any emotion here at all. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, I I knew, I knew that Hook wasn't going to depart the season forever, but I still thought, you know, I, I, it was, it was nice to see a a sacrifice of that magnitude happen. Almost like, you know, when we saw Rumpelstiltskin sacrifice himself at the end of season three, a, I want to say when he goes into the vault for a while, I still thought he wasn't, I knew he wasn't dead, but I was still happy that like, oh, him making right. a sacrifice means this 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 story takes a step forward. Yeah, and they're arguing over which of them had which of them had the uh not so had to, but which of them uh was the better option to die uh like t- to or to save everybody. Yeah. So and it's interesting, as you know, I guess Stabbing Hook, Excalibur disappears, so I guess they're both purged of the dark magic, right? Emma says she still has her magical powers after the fact, but we see Emma for the the first time in Storybrooke this season have her regular blonde hair and red leather jacket back. The dark swan outfit is officially 
gone. It is out of season. It is retired. It is retired. And so they're turned back to normal and all is happy for about one second as everyone remembers, as Becca alluded to. Oh, wait. Hook or uh, Hook had the the merely a flesh wound that almost killed him last time. He still has it now, and he very quickly dies in her arms. Well, no, no, he he died because she ran him through with the sword. I mean, the plan was always for him to die and to go away. I I, I it wasn't the the neck wound from Excalibur that resulted in his death. It was just it was it was it was strange that they felt the need to show that. Yeah, and I guess that that was where my confusion came from, is that I thought because we saw the wound and we saw him bleeding and we saw that was the moment where we hit the ground, I associated it with with, with the wound when you're right, it probably was the fact that he had gotten stabbed through with a sword. That probably is a better cause of death than merely a flesh wound. And I I think Rebecca's question was more about, well, you know, assuming that hadn't been... Assuming, let's say, let's say this side, you know what, the better choice is to run Emma through with the sword or Zelina through with the sword. Um that uh that i think that the question is then would hooks would that wound still then have reappeared on hook's neck like is the fact that excalibur ran him through is that why it appeared on his neck would it have always appeared on his neck once the dark magic was pulled from him um it just it just seems like that if the plan was to take you know, do the same thing but then put all of that darkness into zelina and then kill her and then their darkness goes away the question is whether or not Hook would have died from the Excalibur neck wound. And I don't know. We'll never know. He's, and, he's, and, he's dead regardless. <laughs> and we also tie this into the gold reveal. So this is still Excalibur, right? It's not like gold created almost a fake Excalibur and had his own dagger fashioned. Because if that's I, the case, if Excalibur had become a fake, Hook's wound would have shown up immediately, right? It would have shown up even before this whole confrontation happened. Because as soon as Excalibur is broken apart then the wound would have came back. I, I, I can't profess to know the ins and outs of magical uh, blacksmithing. Um, but this, <laughs> but the fact that this sword was able to suck up all of the dark ones, like a vacuum cleaner, um, I'm pretty sure this is the authentic sword. Yeah. I think it's more like they, he had, he had like a transporter almost attached to Excalibur that just funneled the dark magic instantly through that funnel into him. Yeah. So hook is taken off by these, coroners that apparently exist in storybrook and in slow emotional slow motion as emma is still <laughs> extremely distraught about it yeah, I, I had somewhere in my notes here uh something about uh lots of slow motion crying and hugging in the back half of this yeah, episode I, I was waiting for them to pull a Grey's anatomy in here in the background like where did i go wrong <laughs> i'll remember you yeah exactly <laughs> So the next morning, Belle ends up coming back. Uh, before she crossed the town line, I guess Henry called her and told her everything. I don't know, again, where this falls in the timeline, but apparently she was stopped from leaving town. And even though he's, she's pissed for him lying to her yet again, he was truly selfless, so they're made up again. And I was completely wrong in this prediction where I thought that they would have made up by the end of ne- the end of this next half season, though, again, I feel like Bell has kind of fallen apart in apart in logic here the past couple episodes. Women, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> please do not do, do not send comments about that, folks. You can reach me by Twitter at a Mike Bloom type. No, no <laughs> slander, libel. Uh, I I don't I don't understand this, Kurt. Why is she suddenly? She talks last episode about you lied to me too many times. I need some time for myself. Next episode, you lied, but you were selfless about it. Let's get back together. It's not like it's the first time that she's been lied to, to quote unquote, protect her. Uh, that, that's not the thing. Um, 
it, it, maybe it was more like the um you know they a truly selfless act like if you were to donate money to a charity and never tell anybody then you would be seen as truly selfless maybe the the fact that uh you know if this plan had played out as she had thought it would potentially play out then she would never have been able to uh, it's it's not like it's not like a week down the road uh the truth would be revealed and he'd have to explain himself and how he did it to protect her. Like if this played out the way it was quote unquote supposed to, then, you know, she would never have been able to, you know, to yell at him. And it was truly selfless because they were never going to see each other again. And he was getting her out to protect her. And there was really kind of no, you know, ulterior motive to it. I, I'm not, so I may, maybe that's the, the thinking, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and even though it turns out that there was an ulterior motive was, to it, because was. I think that partly the reason why Gold sent her away was because she didn't want to see A, him possibly get taken to the underworld, and B, for him to go through with this plan of becoming the most powerful dark one we've ever seen. Yes. So, apparently also that uh, the their, uh, their the revival of their relationship is very intimate, as we see the next morning <laughs> that Belle is, has woken up in their marital bed. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, he's putting on some clothes and uh yeah, good for them. Well, I mean, it took him it took him what, a year and a half to consummate the marriage, so, you know, good good on them. Yeah, I didn't even know that they had a bedroom until now. Yeah, well they are they still shacked up in the sorcerer's mansion? I hope so. That's a nice house. It should go to waste. It's a, a nice little treasure trove house, but uh as Gold is, you know, preparing to side of to sort of slip out the morning after pull a Barney Stinson, he gets a text from Emma, and Emma's sort of driven herself crazy. Not only is she emotionally distraught, she starts hearing the voices and she is confused and she basically asks Gold point blank, do you have the dagger? And he points out that not only does he have the dagger, he is the dark one again, and he is the most powerful dark one ever. Kurt, yeah, let's just, get into this. <laughs> you are not happy that they decided to go away from the idea of Rumpelstiltskin having a non-Dark One storyline and the fact that they had to result, uh, resort to making Rumpelstiltskin the Dark One yet again. You thought that that was weak storytelling. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> Am I, I mean, right? Am I right? You are completely correct. So, I mean, I was talking with my wife about this before the episode Were you aired. talking I'm, about I'm, it? Oh, we're talking about, okay. I was saying, were you talking about it or were you angrily yelling about it? No, we were talking about it before the episode. She <laughs> yeah. And her and, and we also talked about this before you and I have will would this show really not have a dark one anymore because it's been part of the mythology for so long and I've kept saying no they've really built out this whole canon of the dark one I feel like if we kept with it there's really no other story to explain for it it's just going to be this random factor that might come in to help on occasion but otherwise will pretty much exist in the background and in doing this I also feel like not only does it keep the dark one in the story for some reason, but this completely undoes an entire half season of character development, in my opinion. We're, you know, we, we have a new man awaken who's not the dark one anymore. He learns to be quote unquote brave by saving Belle from a bear. He tries to be a hero by fighting Hook himself. And all of that is basically undone by him saying, Yeah, it's true. I actually like the power the most. Let me, you know, I'm, I'm going to deceive everyone and make sure that Hook doesn't die a hero like he wanted to be. Yeah. It, it's. I, I was I, I did not see this coming. I will have to say that um, I, I didn't want to see this coming, yeah. but I'm not sure. Did he then like undo Excalibur? Like, did he have the ability to do that without like the anti flame of Prometheus? Yeah, or that's, that's that's what I was wondering, too. I guess what would happen is since he funneled all the dark magic from Excalibur into himself, I guess another dagger was just created. So there's no more mm. Excalibur. But now we're just back to the dagger again. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to question that too closely because I'm my head will hurt. Um, 
Yeah, it's like, oh, and I'm super powerful now. Um, but it's like, I, I, I don't know what this means. Again, we're talking the Dark Ones don't really do stuff. They have the ability to kind of help make it easier for them to do things. Like, for instance, if Gold needed to be across town in a, an immediate moment, he could easily do that. Um, but we haven't really seen, like what his dark machinations are it's i'm not i'm not sure where this is going to lead and if this was necessary yeah i i I completely agree with you i don't think it's necessary whatsoever because we're going to be approaching a storyline where they're going to a new location i don't we need i don't think we need to go back to oh mr gold's the dark one and i i'm I'm very fearful that now we're going to go back to this territory of mr gold has a secret and bell doesn't know that secret and then she'll find out about the secret and then she'll get angry and they'll break up you know it's it's starting to get it's starting to become like you said like ross and rachel almost so cyclical (laughs) and i'm really really hoping that the writers do not make it go in that direction. Especially now where the, the, the one surprising thing is that it's in the past. It seems to have always been gold secret, but here Emma just very much knows that secret. Um, and I can't tell if the rest of team charming now also knows the secret or not. No, I don't, I don't think they do. Cause I think they, I think they know that gold, because what you know, gold opens up the underworld right. by just just by using his, his blood. blood. Yeah. So I think that all, it's the secret is only between Emma and Gold, which I will admit might make for an interesting dynamic. Where now they have a secret, and uh, you know Emma is going to try to keep it to quote uh, the Pretty Little Liars theme song. But I, I it's interesting because I also feel like and and, and uh, Jennifer Morrison gave this in an interview uh, the the day after the the episode came out, and she said that this this was interesting because. Now in in gold revealing this, Emma's able to sort of use that as leverage and say, "Hey, listen, because you denied my boyfriend his final wishes, uh, I'm going to blackmail you into using your power to get me to find him." You don't blackmail the dark one, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's it if he's truly twenty times more power. I mean, again, I'm just going off the number of dark ones I counted by hand. But if he's like twenty times more powerful than he was before, he can easily, no matter what magic, you know emma wields he could easily take care of her i mean there's you go one of two ways you like to swear you're not going to tell anybody or you just immediately tell everybody and just make it his problem like it, it and i think it's she has to do the latter i mean the only way that you can save yourself you know if you're holding on to the secret that the dark one doesn't want you to tell anybody he will end you so the only real real course you have is to tell everybody immediately and then you know you know, there's, there's the genie's out of the bottle. You're not going to put it back in, and the dark one has bigger things to deal with. I mean, no, has, I think I think Sydney's still in the mental institution. Oh, okay, okay, that's what this, but the mental institution is called on Yelp the bottle. <laughs> yes, on Yield Yelp yes. the bottle. Uh, yes, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I I do agree that I think it's her best move to tell everybody to sort of you know get that responsibility out of her hands. At the same time, <laughs> we've we've seen her, her feelings for gold. Uh, make her make not so logical decisions beforehand, even this season. So I think that uh, her feelings for him have definitely driven her to be so rash as to say, listen, you're coming with me and helping me, or I'm going to tell your girlfriend everything about this. And and we've seen like a ton of backstory and seasons that just show her aversion to being transparent and telling the truth. (laughs) She, 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 she does not have a history of being, a full and clear disclosure when it comes to information. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, Kurt, what do you think about Emma's plan here that she outlines to the rest of the heroes, which is she's going to go down to the underworld, and like her parents, as they as they helpfully point out, she is also going to try to share a heart with Hook to bring him back up to their world. Yeah, sure, why not? Let's go for it. I mean, I think it works. <laughs> also, you know, now I can talk about some interview stuff. They had The creators have been talking about this fact for a long time, basically for the entire half season. And I was wondering when it would come into play. It turns out in the very last episode, about 10 minutes from the end. But it's a poignant fact. And it'll be interesting to sort of revisit that magic, too, because we saw it happen very briefly during season three to sort of save Charming's life. But we haven't revisited it at all. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I, I'm glad that your Regina kind of reminds us that um, uh, that someone I can't remember like Regina or Mary Margaret, but it reminds us that you know if you want to bring somebody back from the dead, then somebody is going to have to die. Oh, I think I think Charming reminded her actually yeah, okay. oh, okay. in, one, in one of his like three lines this episode. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, because Regina's like, well, actually, you know that what it, it could work. Yeah, <laughs> and I. I think that, and that's, I think, something that we, we heard that from Regina a lot this season. Like somebody proposes something harebrained and Regina's response, pause. Oh, that, 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 no, she's right. That could work. <laughs> yeah, I, let's, let's try it out. Let's yeah. see what happens. So, and here's an interesting thing too here, Kurt. I had been under the assumption during this scene that Emma said she was going to go alone into oh, yeah. the underworld. Apparently, they're all, it's a family trip. They're all going yeah. together into the underworld. What? Why? <laughs> what? Why are they doing this? Especially when you've already made the point that Neo and uh, Roland and unnamed Baby Hood are kind of still back here. Like it's it's you know you just all got back from Camelot. Maybe maybe let's have some people stay here who won't have their memories wiped. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, even even like in the Neverland thing, at least they had the tendency to to say like, okay, Belle, you stay behind and guard the town like they're not even doing that this time they're all walking in there together and like why would you bring henry with you henry is an 11 year old boy and there's a chance he could be left behind in the underworld i think that's 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 pretty scary i think i think it's just the more people you bring on these adventures in a regular setting the more likely you'll be able to leave with less people but this is also once upon a time where nobody main character wise really dies Mm, yeah it's uh i I don't know i I don't know. I mean, I was definitely getting when I saw that they were all going, I was definitely getting Neverland vibes here in terms of, okay, we're going to have a a half season arc that takes place in a completely different location. Um, I didn't necessarily know know that going into the Camelot arc, but even then we had flashback. Camelot was largely a flashback and the modern day was a storybook here. I don't know if we're going to necessarily have the flashbacks in Neverland. You didn't have a whole lot of flashbacks to Storybrooke. I mean, they weren't even flashbacks. They were flash sideways in terms of Mm -hmm. alternate, you know, what's going on in Storybrooke while our heroes are in Neverland. Um, But the one thing is I'm, I'm looking forward to the prospect of this as a setting, but we can get to that later. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, let's tie into that question right now. Rachel asks, is, is the underworld going to end up being Neverland 2.0? And I don't know if it'll be that much. I mean, I think Neverland was a little bit of an area where there was just a lot of treading water in terms of plot, where I think, you know, people made the argument that a lot of character stuff happens there, but I feel like not a lot had happened until we really got the ball rolling with Wendy and everything. Here, I feel like they have a mission right from the get-go they're going to go after that mission. And I think they're able they're going to be able to use that landscape to have a bunch of different things happen right off the bat, which will be exciting. But I think that, I, I don't know, I guess you, you have to bring everyone along just to make, you know, cause you, you ask what are they going to do back in Storybrooke 
if just Emma's going. But still, in terms of looking at it on paper, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, on paper, it doesn't make sense for them all to, all to go along. But I think the, the big issue I had with Neverland, to be completely honest, I think I talked about this back when we talked about Neverland. Um, my big issue was literally the visual setting of, of Neverland. It was just like too dark. No, it was just like endless greenery. I mean, it was just like random forest clearing and random pathway and random forest clearing. And it was it and it was like, yes, lush, but you didn't have a lot of differentiation. And a lot of it seemed to just kind of confuse, like all kind of wind together for me. It wasn't an exciting setting here. If we see truly from the previews, the underworld is basically storybook. I mean, it, yeah. it looks which which should also potentially be a reason why it would be confusing if you had like the storybook setting, but you had to somehow distinguish storybook proper from storybook underworld um and, and maybe that's the reason they kind of did it is like well we can't we don't if we're going to be in storybook but it's if if the underworld is going to look like storybook then we really can't flash back to what's going on in storybook because that's going to have confused listeners um or mm-hmm. wide viewers so maybe, maybe that's the reason they ended up bringing everybody but again, well, they could have pulled, that's a meta they, reason and not a story reason. Yeah, they could have pulled a memento and just had all the Storybrooke Prime scenes in black and white and all the Underworld Storybrooke scenes in color or vice versa. Vice versa. It, looks like, <laughs> it looks like Purgatory Storybrooke is very red tinted. Yeah. And so it's a, pr- a little more bland. Agreed. Uh, so before let's before we really uh, dive into talking about uh, the whole wrap up of everything, uh, I just like to point out this really interesting quote that Emma has. The last thing she, that said in the episode, which is that. She will f- always find Hook, which is a direct quote from, I think, they, did the Tramwing say to, to each other like at the very beginning of the series? I think it's within, within the first like 10 minutes of the first episode. So that's a, that's a nice little bookend there. We always find it. I mean, it even goes, that goes back to, to previous seasons as well. It's like, we, we, you know, we always find each other. Yeah, which I, which I liked. And it's going to be interesting because this is also the second time in like five minutes when Emma compares her and Hook to David and Mary Margaret. So it'll be interesting to see where those storylines kind of intersect and intertwine. I, I don't think they'll intersect very much, but it's always nice to see the relations here and there. Yeah. All right, Kurt, let's talk a little bit about next season and sort of wrap up this half season as well. So we are going to the underworld, purgatory, hell, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be some sort of mashup here of like Orpheus descending slash Dante's Inferno slash Bill and Ted's bogus journey <laughs> in terms of the <laughs> exploration on of the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hoping so. Uh, so Kurt, what are your what are your overall thoughts about this? Because you I you said you had some ruminations on this beforehand that this is where you would be going. Um, are are you you talked about this a little bit a, a little while ago? But are, in general, are you excited to be going down there, especially as as the preview alludes to of the prospects of deceased characters coming back for guest appearances? Uh, I am. I, I kind of like the um the with, with the with the with Karen as the boatman. I like the the, the nod to kind of mythology there, and I, I'm kind of it, it's definitely seems like it could go a little bit darker. Uh, I, I so I am looking forward to it. Also, there's there are a couple um, you know new new characters that are, are going to be introduced this season that I got saw and I was, I was kind of spoiled on. They kind of pointed me towards this being the potential direction for things. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, so I, I am looking forward to it. I'm most forward to being able to say repeatedly next season, once upon a time in hell, which is going what? to be, yeah, if we can have like like a thunderclap soundboard, and if I can like do some reverb on my voice to make it sound truly evil, I think I'm looking forward to just, I'm just calling this back half once upon a time in hell. 
Yeah, uh, and hopefully that that doesn't also refer to these plot lines that are going on, uh, because I yeah I think and also bringing back so I mean we also have the the 100th episode coming up. It's the very first episode in the back half of this season, and I think that there will be a lot of fan service there and bringing back certain characters. But it'll be interesting to see if these characters are utilized a- outside of that. I mean, I will admit my heart fluttered a little bit when we did see Peter Pan return, but if they really are going to be using old characters in new ways that could be a very exciting prospect yeah i think the the only potential downside is like if this is truly the afterlife slash the underworld slash a place where you're punished for eternity um and there is some large uh puppet master at work whether it be uh the devil or a a hades type character or or someone that's that's basically kind of ruling this realm of reality i mean do you kind of do you do we look at this as another uh, Wonderland slash Dr. Frankenstein's realm? Just like an- another realm that they're actually visiting. Uh, but if there's somebody here who could basically alter reality with a whim and mess with people's minds, I think that's going to get old real fast. So I- I'm hoping that there is at least some um, light application of uh, a powerful uh, being, if at all. But I don't just don't want to see is like suddenly, you know, uh, characters suddenly just suddenly just appearing or morphing into new characters all because you know one character is altering reality at a whim yeah i think i don't want this to be a whole season of mind games because this is the afterlife and you're being tortured yeah you know you don't yeah you don't want the guy to go full parkman basically exactly exactly uh heroes reference um so that that's the one thing I'm just hoping doesn't happen. I'm hoping that for the most part, the rules of reality are maybe like 80% consistent here. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing uh, where things go. Uh, like I was, I was kind of excited for the, it, you know, I was excited going into the, the Queens of Darkness. Um, and I think I'm probably a on, on par excitement for that. I would, I, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So a couple of questions wrapping up season five, a going along with the Camelot stuff we talked about before Rachel asks, what happened to the people from Camelot? And do you think we will see them again? I mean, I was pretty angry because I (laughs) had talked about on this podcast, how much I loved the Camelot stuff and the King Arthur reveal, especially, and to have them basically be non-existent for the last few episodes and to have them just written off. It seems like altogether does not make me very happy. Yeah, it was, it, it, again, it, it does. We talked about it a little bit earlier. It does seem like, um, it it does seem like Arthur and Guinevere potentially went the way of Maleficent and Lily, um, and this is and this is like an instance where like Arthur is at least Maleficent had kind of re, a redemption arc. She was reunited with her daughter. Arthur is still a douche. Um, yeah. and you kind of, yeah, he, he didn't really get it come up and he just got put behind bars and said, Oh, I don't remember anything. Yeah. And you, you kind of also want you know, ideally you'd like to see, uh, Guinevere you know, disenchanted from the sands of Avalon and to realize that, uh, that Arthur was a douche. You kind of want to see her like get, get her happy ending. Um, I, I'm still pulling for the fact that I think that Lancelot's uh, mom, Lady of the Lake, is actually Karen the Boatman. And like, boom, <laughs> streams crossing. Yes, Lady Karen of the Lake. Exactly. Uh, she she navigates lakes really well, so I guess that might be a synonymous job. Yeah, I, unfortunately, Guinevere did not get a happy ending here, and Arthur did not get his comeuppance. So I do kind of feel cheated that we had a lot of this buildup with these two characters, and it ends up not paying off. And I was a little, I'm a little frustrated by that. I mean... 
I also don't know. I feel like we're going to spend so much time in the underworld that I don't know when we're going to get back to Storybrooke. And if we do, I have a Ooh. feeling like a demon will like follow them back or something, and they'll be dealing with that rather than actually encountering uh and i've actually encountering arthur and guinevere and i actually think in an inter in that interview that i had alluded to before uh eddie and adam had said that we probably won't be seeing the camelotians until like maybe late next season which is again pretty sad for me yeah i'm I'm sure as far i kind of walked out of this last episode assuming they're just writing the camelotians off and i wouldn't have actually been surprised if we hadn't seen them again it was just kind of assumed they were there um where I can see things definitely going in the back half of this, this next season or this, the, the back half of this back half season is, you know, Arthur had supposedly this big plan where, where Storybrooke was going to become the next Camelot, which we never really saw that go anywhere. It was yeah. just kind of mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some, you know, uh, power, I'll just say it. I'm not going to be surprised if we see Hades as a character. Yeah, um, I wouldn't either. And, and I would not be also surprised if he decides that he wants to annex Storybrooke to be kind of a special corner of, of hell. So like they come back, but the portal's left open. And now he's going to try to, you know, make the, the literally bring hell to earth. And I would, I'll add on to that. I won't be surprised if whatever follows them back possesses Arthur and then gives him some sort of feat of strength or ultimate magical power that allows them to both, accomplish their dreams i'm gonna i'm gonna be less bullish on that than you are i'm what i, I would i will say is like i agree that somebody will come back uh that something will come back that will possess somebody i just don't know that it'll be arthur but there'll be some <laughs> there'll be somebody that we think of as a hero or as a neutral force who becomes possessed by an evil being yes yeah, so possession will happen possession in, will in, happen. in uh, once upon a time this stream you have our guarantee uh rachel or uh, katie beth austin asks didn't Selena want to go to Oz and they all stopped her before? And I guess the one distinction we have between now and the beginning of the season was that Selena wanted to go back with the baby yeah. and she wanted to take care of the baby on her own. Now she's being kind of pulled there against her will without the child. Yeah, Katie Beth Austin was like really into the live tweeting this episode. Good job. I, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we always love live tweets about it. And I, you know, we agreed on many issues and she also brought up, she's like, oh yeah, I guess Emma can't do anything against Hook because she had the cuff and we had to remind her, ah, Remember Henry took the cuff last episode, so she's just sort of being a, a magical wuss here. Yeah, she's she's sulking. But actually, uh, Rachel brings up a good point here. She did a lot of great live tweeting too. Chekhov's ring failed to make an appearance this episode. Was sure yeah. it was going to be Papa Hook's ring. Sad there was no payoff. And more of a statement than a question, but I totally agree with her that we had this thing of Hook saying this is the ring from the like the worst kill I ever had. And you'd assume that would be him killing his father. Even if we just got like a two second shot of him taking his ring, I feel like that would have tied everything together. But yet we have nothing. Although, I mean, I, I seem to have like, and this is the guy I'm dipping into like my, my viewing of, you know, other, you know, typically like horror movies or, or fantasy movies where somebody is like, uh, has to go to, to hell and back. And, and lots of times the, the, maybe the souls that you encounter in the underworld don't necessarily remember that they're know that they're dead or remember what their life was like in real life. So maybe, you know, if they find hook and he kind of is suffering from this memory loss, maybe that ring is something that draws him back in. Yeah, that could be very true. Uh, who knows? Maybe the kill, his worst kill ever, wasn't even his father. Maybe, maybe it was somebody else that we don't even. It was Liam two point We just didn't yes. get to see that. <laughs> he kills. He actually, yeah. After he kills his father, he actually goes right into the the house and slaughters Liam two point uh, That is dark. That yep. is very dark. Uh, so Duke Silver actually has a, a point that about the future of Once Upon a Time. And actually, after this episode aired, I had 
thought about it because there are some points you could point at in the chronology of the series that you can say like, oh yeah, that would function as a good series finale. I'm thinking about like the mid-season finale of season three is a good example, but he's, he makes a bold prediction. He says, I think this next half season of once is it just seems like an end game versus old foes. Kurt, what do you think? Are you more, are you more bullish than Duke is on the longevity of once upon a time? Uh, yeah, I, I, this is not the final season. This is not, this is not going to wrap up and suddenly be the end of the season. The Clark curse will not hit this season. <laughs> well, to be fair, we've already passed the mark of the Clark curse concerning that it got renewed while we were podcasting about it. But I mean, uh, this is more of a general topic, but how, how far do you realistic see, re- realistically see this show going? <sighs> um, I'd say that it has at least one more season in it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think yeah, it's it like um, they still have to tap into Inside Out as a franchise, right? <laughs> no, the good dinosaur has to come first. They oh. have to go back in time. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to say seven seasons. I think maybe it's just because it's seven dwarfs and seven is like a kind of a magical number. But I feel like seven's a good amount. If they I could totally understand them doing next season and then saying, you know, next season will be our final season. And that's where they really go out with a bag and throw even more old characters in and all these crazy things that happens. And then an atom bomb goes off in Storybrooke and then they get transported to an alternate universe and we see a sideways timeline play out there. But I, I could see it realistically lasting seven seasons, but I agree with you. I do not think that the underworld will be the final half season of once upon a time. I feel like this is a show that has had long enough of a tenure that it will announce if it's ha- when it's had its final season. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll see it coming. All right, Kurt, any more things about season 5A of Once Upon a Time? Just so for programming uh, notes here, the season comes back March 6th. And uh, we've been toying with the idea of maybe doing like a, a, a feedback show slash like season 5B preview. That'll probably be like a week or so before if we end up doing it. So for all intents and purposes, Kurt, this will be the last time we talk about Once Upon a Time on air in the year 2015. Yeah, if only there was something else that we were talking about in the world of podcasting. If only. Uh, before we jump into that, though, Kurt, do you have any? Do you have any general any other things you want to say about this episode or the season, or looking forward to the underworld story arc? Uh, like I said, looking really, I am looking forward to the underworld story arc. Um, I was, I was very pleased with this uh, with this season with the, with the front half, um, and I was honestly less disappointed in this mid-season finale than i was in the walking dead mid-season finale so <laughs> yeah um, just say like, comparatively i'm assuming this satisfied you a lot more yes definitely but uh, Mer- merlin still hasn't come out from under that dumpster yes no no merlin and no dumpster uh yeah i would agree with you and i i'm i guess i'm still gonna remain bullish and say that this is still probably my favorite season since season one in terms of half season story arcs because even though i i had a lot of complaints about this episode and specifically with the way they kind of undid all the gold stuff. I still really enjoyed the Camelot stuff. I thought it was a breath of fresh air. And I thought it was a really great way to look into the dark one. It was fun to explore that mythology. And I thought there were some really great character things going on throughout the season. So, you know, I can complain about a lot, but I really can't complain about the fact that Once Upon a Time did a really nice job this half season as well. And I'm hoping they continue the streak or at least the streak of the first 10 episodes. True. So even though we're going to be gone for a few months, you can always reach out to us in a variety of ways. You can always post comments here on the postshowrecaps.com page. Uh, You can always uh, reach out to us on social media as well. Kurt, how can people find you on Twitter? I am at Kurt Clark with two C's on Twitter. And I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. That is me. That is not Kurt. (laughs) So if you're complaining about Kurt's comments before... 
reach out to at Kurt Clark. Uh, so Kurt, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what we might be working on in other podcasting spheres if people want to listen to us in the next few months without talking about Once Upon a Time? Sure. Um, I think we're going to be stepping away from post-show recaps for a little bit and paying a little bit more attention to reality TV wrap-ups. Um, for those of you who already subscribed to that channel, you may have seen uh, poking around there. Uh, Antonio Mazzaro and Mike Bloom and I discussed uh, premiere week of Top Chef California. I believe it's season 13. Uh, Josh Wiggler, uh, as you know, the four the three of us plus Josh uh, recapped last season, but only a few times. I think we didn't even start until like half the contestants yeah, were gone. Yeah, until halfway through, yeah. Um, but this time we're going to try to make it a more regular thing. I know Josh is busy the the front half of the season, so may join us in the new year. Um, and I'm you know, traveling a little bit this, this uh, holiday season as well. But long story short, uh, there will be podcasts about Top Chef on a pretty regular basis. The the first one that covers the first two episodes is up now and you know more will be coming. It's it was a good conversation. It was fun. We drafted our contestants and uh I talked a lot about food. Yes, absolutely. And you know, Kurt and I are always around uh the podcasting spheres as well. So even though once upon a time may be going away, uh we'll we'll pop up yeah. here and there, especially when the Miss and Mr. Survivor competition oh. comes comes to fruition in the new year. Yeah. And also I believe that um Celebrity Big Brother UK should be back the first week of the new year. And if rumors are to be believed, we may be looking at an Octomom Vanilla Ice and Hulk Hogan trifecta. So keep your Oh my God. <laughs> so so keep your fingers crossed. Uh, uh, for the first for that are you spoiling characters that will appear in the underworld season as well <laughs> we're spoiling characters that will be in my private hell for the next yeah, month exactly. or so we're going, Kirk Clark is going to go to the underworld before all these characters do uh, and in general keep keep subscribed to post show recaps uh, in addition to us the content is, is you know is driving down a little bit we just had the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead as Kurt just talked about uh, last night The Leftovers had its season finale and so Josh and Antonio recapped that SNL just is wrapping up in a couple episodes too, but we always have great content going on. So please subscribe to the general feed at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes and keep yourself checked into all the great stuff going on over the holidays. So to finish things off, Kurt Clark, we need a hashtag for people who have made it all the way to the end of this mid-season finale podcast. Can we just keep it simple and go with hashtag Kelly Hunter Pistachio? Yes, of course. The simplest hashtag (laughs) ever. Or you can do, or KHPH. Uh, what, oh, for the for Harris, <laughs> for yeah, the, yeah. Either, for e- Hook, either one or, or for Hook. hook. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, kids, either one, either Keller Hunt, Kelly Hunter Pistachio or KHPH, whichever you prefer. Yeah, either one we we prefer. But uh, I just want to take the moment to, to, as always, thank you, listeners, as well. It's been a super fun season, and it makes it even more fun to podcast about this when uh, hearing your comments and your questions throughout the week and having chats about the show is always fun. So we will see you. In three months' time in the new year, 2016, uh, I wish you a very early happy holidays and a happy new year. And remember, fairies make great babysitters since they don't sell you to old men on ships. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.